to take us out this morning. Father, I thank you. Lord, thank you for the incredible blessing, Lord, we have. Thank you, Lord, you bless us with so much. Lord, we are, we're so thankful for all you've done, all you've given us. And uh, Lord, today as we talk about money, Lord, I pray that hearts will be open. Uh, Lord, that uh, we don't want anyone to feel like they're being beaten up on. Lord, we, we want to get your heart for money. We want to understand uh, what, what you think about money and how we should respond and how we should treat this uh, wonderful gift that we're given. In Jesus' name. Amen. So a study was done in America with a group of people um, finding out how much they thought they needed to be rich. Uh, how many people would like more money, feel like they could be a little richer and would be happier? Yep, cool. <laughs> so the study was asked of people that earned $34,000 a, a year, uh, how much more would you need in order to be rich? And they said 50000 was the average response. Great. So they did the survey with those earning $50,000. And the, those earning $50,000 thought that $74,000 on average would be what they need to feel rich. So then they asked those earning $74,000 how much they thought they would need to be rich. And so they said $100,000 and, $100, and then they're like, $100,000? Are you kidding me? I've got, I've got kids. I've got a house. I've got a mortgage. I've got all of these things. I can't be rich unless I've got $200,000. And then the $200,000 were asked how much would you need to feel rich? The average response was $5 million. Kind of a jump from 200000 isn't it? But how many people know that's kind of like this carrot, you know, to the donkey that's, you know, we'll keep chasing after it, but we'll never actually get to that place where we want to be. If our pursuit is of money and wealth, will we find ourselves uh, a little bit disappointed at the end? So the question we want to ask today, well, the question that's been asked and we want to try and answer is how much money is enough? How much money is enough? Now, I'm not going to give you a numerical value at the end of today, but let's, let's explore these questions, this question, with a couple of other questions. Ecclesiastes 5.11, it says, the more you have, the more you spend. Come on. Right up to the limits of your income. I think some, some of us spend 110% of what we earn. Uh, that's what the credit card companies would say. So what is the advantage of wealth except perhaps to watch it as it runs through your fingers? So this morning we're going to focus on three specific questions around this how much money is enough. Number one, what do we hope money will bring us? Because I think we, we have this perception of what money will do for us. Secondly, what does wealth really bring? Or what does money really bring to us? And number three, what does God want me to do with my money? As we answer these three, hopefully we'll answer the question how much money is enough. It's our attitude uh, towards money that causes problems. I'm a money fan. I love money. Money's great. How many people like money? You're allowed to say that? Okay. Some people say the, that money is the root of all evil. No, no, that's a very badly uh, quoted scripture. Scripture. The love of money, the, the, the pursuit of money, the, the, the chasing after it, that is what leaves us wanting. That's what leaves us dissatisfied. When, when our pursuit is getting more and more and more, not for what it will do, but just to get more of it. That's where we find ourselves completely uh, just dissatisfied and, and hungry for more. So let's look at the first question together. What do we hope money will bring? A lot of people think wealth will bring, number one, satisfaction. We think if we can get wealth, we'll find satisfaction. We think if I have more money, I'll be more happy. Maybe? Maybe not. This is what we've learned in life. Chris Hodges says, 
our yearning power will always exceed our earning power. So the things we yearn for, the things we really, really want, the things we desire in our heart, our job just doesn't pay us enough or our company just doesn't earn enough money. So we yearn for these things, but it's not enough. We don't earn enough to actually get those things because we're chasing after it. Solomon considered possibly the wisest and wealthiest man. He understood this. He said in Ecclesiastes 5.10, those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. And this is a guy that had it all. I mean, he had everything. And yet he realized that it wasn't going to bring happiness. Solomon is saying in this passage, it's, it's foolish to think that wealth brings happiness. The second thing people think wealth will bring is significance. If I get wealthy, people will respect me more. As my status, as my wealth increases, my status increases. I, I get to that next level of uh, the, the community where people will respect and honor me because I'm now a successful business person. We think that it will actually bring about significance as well. But Jesus said in Luke 12, verse 15, watch out and guard yourselves from every kind of greed because your true life is not made up of the things you own, no matter how rich you may be. According to God, our net worth and our self-worth are not the same thing. Sometimes we think my value in money, how much I'm worth, the equity in my property or my business, that determines who I am. We've sang an incredible song this morning about who we are, chosen, we're children of God. We're not one million or five million or 34,000. That's not who we are. That's not our identity. Our net worth does not determine our self-worth. Who we are is measured by who God says we are. The third thing people think money will bring is security. Proverbs 23, 5. It says, your money can be gone in a flash as if it had grown wings and flown away like an eagle. I love that version. That's so cool. And anyone looked at a dollar bill recently? What's on it? Birds. You check out all the birds on, the, on those dollars. It's like, it's like you earn your cash and it just flies away. <laughs> How many people feel like that's, that's kind of what their money's like? It's like, whoa, come back here. <laughs> and it's just flying away into the distance. Money doesn't talk. It just flies away. The truth is, whatever we put our security in ends up becoming our God, isn't it? It's the thing that we worship. It's the thing we give our time and our attention to. But let me tell you that money is a false God because money is an attractive false God because it promises what only God can provide. It won't leave us satisfied. J.R. Rockefeller, the, the richest man in the known world at the time, was asked, how much money is enough? How much money do you need? And he says, just a little bit more. He had everything, billions of dollars in, in, in equity and property, and yet that wasn't enough for him. He needed some more. If we chase after it, and that is our pursuit, it will leave us wanting. Money can never give us satisfaction because we'll always want more. Money will never give us significance because our self-worth, our value is not based on our valuables. Money can never give us security because we never have enough. Money just flies away. <laughs> so what does money really bring? What's the reality? Number one, expenses. <laughs> How many people can identify with that? An income that goes up, so does our expenses. We look at the, the greener grass on somebody else's property across the fence, but we don't look at the irrigation bill. 
the cost to make that grass green or the fertilizer that, that goes on in their world, you know, paraphrasing a common phrase. <laughs> we, need to, we need to understand that, that actually as our income increases, also do our expenses. The more money you have, the more you spend. The more stuff you've got, the more you have to maintain. How many people have got a, a double garage of storage? <laughs> we, we have houses for our stuff. <laughs> I mean, that's the reality. We build houses to put our stuff in. Now, some of our stuff is necessary and uh, for our job, for our work, for our income. Absolutely. I've got a bunch of stuff I don't need. A bunch of stuff that I could probably throw away or give away. The more we have, the more we need to insure. The more expensive our property, the more we pay in insurance. Now, it's all kind of you know, equal in that sense, but Ecclesiastes 5.11, the richer you are, the more mouths you have to feed. Uh, the more kids you have anyway. All you gain is the knowledge that you are rich. I like that verse. The more money you get, the more people you find wanting to get in on a piece of the action. You know, trying to, trying to get in, in on your world. So here's, so money brings more, more of this, more worries. Ecclesiastes 5.12. Workers may or may not have enough to eat, but at least they can get a good night's sleep. The rich, however, have so much that they stay awake worrying. Money can keep you awake at night. You know, what, what am I going to do? Especially if you're, you're a boss. You know, the, the higher you go up, I remember working as a, as a storeman. I didn't worry about my business at night. I hit the alarm code, swept the floors, hit the alarm code. I went home. And I came back the next day and I came back to sweeping the floors again. I didn't worry about the business. While I was there, I did my best to, to maintain the business, but I bet there was somebody else at home working out whether or not they needed to fire Mike DeVetta because he wasn't doing a good enough job. You know, who am I going to employ? Who am I going to have to lay off? Business is going through a hard time. I want to support these families that, that I'm, I'm committing to. You know, the, 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 you know, the worry can increase. Income comes up, so can insomnia. Like on a, on a level playing field there. What else comes? More worries, more expenses. How about pain? The mismanagement or loss of money can cause great pain. Maybe you're in this situation. Maybe you know someone who's, who's made bad decisions with their finances. And as a result, they're in a desperate situation. We've got some amazing people that are working uh, with, with people struggling, uh, not even to, to be able to maintain a budget. Found themselves in, in debt because of mismanagement of their money. Ecclesiastes 5.14, it says, There is another serious problem I have seen everywhere. It's like, this is Solomon's musings. It's just like, man, I've seen all of these different things, and I, I'm just going to... Just going to get it out there. Going to share. This is what else I've seen. Savings are put into risky investments that turn sour. I get a quiet amen for that one. And soon there is nothing left to pass on to one son. The man who speculates is soon back to where he began with nothing. This, as I said, is a very serious problem. For all his hard work has been for nothing. He has been working for the wind. It is all swept away. All the rest of his life he is under a cloud, gloomy, discouraged, frustrated, and angry. Anyone know someone who's angry, frustrated, discouraged, gloomy? Any gloomy people? If your trust is in money, you're going to be disappointed. One day it will let you down. And then the fourth thing that money brings, money brings responsibility. More responsibility to use it wisely. God, God speaks about the, the people with talents. One talent, two talents, five talents. It was a sum of money or a sum of wealth. 
And he, and he, he, he tells this parable, the story he says, that the master gives these talents and says, I'm going to go away, but when I come back, I want to make sure there's a return on my investment. I want you to take this and turn it into something else. So the one with the one basically buried it, said, I don't, you know, I don't want to face the master by losing it. So he didn't take any risks. He didn't do anything. He buried it. The second went away and made two talents back on his, so doubled. The one with five made another five. When the master came back, he was not happy with the one with the one. He said, at least you could have put it in the bank and give me some interest. But as that increase comes, you know, we, we want to be the five-talent person. You know, we've got this aspiration to be the boss, to be the CEO. But guess what? That's where all the problems end up. It, it goes to the top of the ladder, not down. You have to deal with all of this stuff. And we've got some business owners here, and, and you're smiling right now. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. It all ends with you. You, know, you can't say, oh, I'll pass that on to someone else. No, that is now your responsibility because you signed up to be the boss. So responsibility is a massive part of, of what money brings. Luke 16, 11, if you're tr- untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? Jesus is comparing wealth on earth to wealth in heaven. He's saying there's a test that takes place with our finances here on earth that will determine what our, what our eternity will be. We're going to be proved faithful today in this moment with the finances that, that, that we have because it's a test for our future. So here's the final question. What does God want me to do with my money? And as the team come this morning, I, I want to talk about four attitudes that we have to have towards money. Number one, we've got to be grateful. We have to be grateful. God wants you and me to appreciate what we've got. Do you appreciate what you have? Sometimes it feels like it's not enough, but you can still be grateful. You can still work hard to earn more. I'm not saying you don't want to do that. I'd encourage everybody to to work as hard as they can to to earn more, to be able to save more, to be able to give more. That's the heart. That's the heart of God, that we will be faithful in what we do. God rewards faithfulness. But would we make that commitment to be grateful? Ecclesiastes 5.19, and it is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it. To enjoy your work and accept your lot in life, this is indeed a gift from God. Can we, can we find satisfaction in, in what we have? Can we be grateful for what we have? And my boy Josiah is playing first kick soccer, and at, at the end of their, their, their games on a Saturday, they give out some certificates for those kids that have done well and but at the very end, they, they have this moment of thanks where they ask the kids, who's thankful for something? And they, the kids stick their hands up and they, they go, I'm thankful for my boots. Yeah, yeah, awesome. We love boots. I'm thankful for shin pads. Yeah, I love shin pads. Socks, yeah, because that keeps the shin pads in. Yeah, we're thankful for socks, shin pads, boots. Sometimes they think they're thankful for the grass, for the sun in the, in the sky, for the clouds that didn't rain, you know, and then thankful for the brownie points, which is mum and dad and grandparents and uncles and aunties that come and watch. But thankfulness, teach that from a young age is so important. Something we've got to put back in our routine that I've let slip. Because every morning we would say, come on, what's one thing you're thankful for, kids? What's one thing you're thankful for? Thankful for my family. Thankful for my church, they'd say. Thankful for food that I get to eat. Come on, let's, let's be grateful for what we've got. 
when we're grateful, when we're thankful, when we give thanks to God, we stop yearning after everything else. Our pursuit isn't on the money. It's on Him. Number two, be glad. Be glad. Be grateful and be glad. Enjoy what you've got while you've got it because there's no guarantee. No guarantee with what you've got right now. Tomorrow could be could be all over. Look at the global financial crisis. People that were on the, on the top of, the, you know, they had these investment portfolios like set, set to be set for life. Boom, gone. Gone in the space of a couple of weeks. All the value, all the net worth, and, and, and not just gone, but now in trouble. Sometimes it can go as quickly as it comes. Ecclesiastes 7.14 says, Enjoy prosperity while you can, but when hard times strike, realize that both come from God. Difficult times, challenges, God allows that to happen too. Remember that nothing is certain in this life. What really matters is eternity. What we're doing now is preparing ourselves for that. 1 Timothy 6.17, Command those who are rich in this present world. Now some of you are dismissing that, saying, well, I'm not rich. Let me take you to Bangladesh and introduce you to a few people who don't have a house to, to sleep in. <laughs> we might know somebody like that. If, if you have a car, you're rich. If you have a house to put your car in, you're rich. We are so rich in this nation. And I don't want us to feel stink about that. I'm glad. I'm thankful. I'm grateful. And I want to do something with that wealth to help someone else. Yeah? But be glad, enjoy what we have. It's a gift from God. Am I grateful and glad or am I greedy and gloomy? Which one are you? Greedy and gloomy or are you grateful and glad? I don't know. I I think joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength, we're told. I love being around joyful people. I really do. Like Katha dear. Every time you're around that woman, she's just got a smile on her face. You just want to be around her. You enjoy hanging out with her. I like being around joyful people, and I want to be that person. Because then there's the other group of people. I'm not pointing those ones out. Just look in the mirror, you'll know. (laughs) Ecclesiastes 6.9, it says, Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Come on. There's a word for somebody right there. What do you have right now that you can enjoy rather than chasing after what you don't have. I'm guilty. Guilty as charged. I want to upgrade. I want to upsize. I want to do all of that stuff. And then I've got to go, actually, I'm thankful. I'm so thankful for what I have. So blessed. So blessed. Just dream about nice things. Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless, like chasing the wind. You know, the wealthiest person is the person who's happiest with the least amount. The wealthiest person is the person who's happiest with the least amount. Wealthiest person is the person who is grateful for what they have. Wealthiest person is the person who is glad for what they have. And I want you to think about this for a moment. What does it take to make you happy? What brings you happiness? If it's money, maybe you won't get there chasing it. The third attitude God wants us to have towards money is to be generous. To be generous. Ecclesiastes 11.1, it says, Send your grain across the seas 
and in time, profits will flow back to you. Another version says, cast your bread upon the water. Now, put it out in the sea. Put it out on the river. Now, you're not going to swim after it, are you? It's gone. But what, what you're doing is you're putting it into God's hands. You're trusting God to, to, for it to go where it needs to go. When you give it, it's almost out of your, out of your hands, out of your control. I was talking with someone just today. said somebody gave them money and they, they, they didn't know what to do with that money. Like somebody gifted them some money. They said, I don't know. I didn't want to take it. I don't need it. I said, well, if you refuse that money, you're refusing God wanting to bless you and the person who gave it to you. I said, you don't have to keep the money. I said, you can give it away to someone else. Just let the blessing carry on flowing through. But you say, thank you. Receive that and just pass it on. If you don't need it, just pass it on. But never receive, never refuse a gift from somebody. Is my thought. Because otherwise, why was that person giving it to you? Maybe they felt they needed to give it to you. So you say, thank you. Because probably they're just being faithful to God. So if we refuse a gift, I, man, I had to deal with pride in my life on that issue. People want to bless me and give me something. Oh, no, 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 no. And then someone said, what, you're going to refuse God? And refuse what God wants. You know, he told me to give this to you, so I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I believe there's some people here today. God is wanting to unlock a gift of generosity in your life. You've got this desire to bless people. But there's people in your world you know couldn't pay you back, but you want to bless them. I really believe that if if you have the means and, and you're feeling the prompt to give to somebody, go for it. I reckon there's 99.9% .9 chance that it's God speaking to you. Because I'm pretty sure the devil doesn't want you to bless anyone. Doesn't want you to add value to somebody else. If in doubt, just give it and watch the adventure unfold. Watch as God says, hey, wow, I can get it to you. As Robert Morris says, I can get it through you. I'm going to get some more to you. Amazing couple in our church. They made a commitment to, to, to love and serve and, 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 and really help people who are financially in debt. They have built themselves a portfolio financially where they can do that without having to take a wage for it. Incredible. Incredible. They've chosen to give their lives to seeing other people come out of poverty. And God is blessing them. God's given them incredible wisdom and, and skill in business to be able to, to work what they've got to, to see an increase. So they can use the wealth they've got to bless other people. And lives are being changed around the city because of the generosity of this, this, this couple's heart. Just love these guys. Such a heart to bless and serve and love other people. But generosity, you know, Jesus tells the story of the, the widow who had just a couple of coins. It's all she had and she put it in the offering. She put it in the offering and, and Jesus was standing watching what people were putting in the offering. That's interesting, isn't it? Should I start doing that? Yeah. <laughs> but Jesus saw the Pharisees put in their money, throwing all their money in, some little, some, some lots. But Jesus said, there's something different about what this woman gives because she gives everything. Because she realized that her security, her, her future was not in her money. It was in her trust in God. And so when she gave her two mites, the, the few coins, that was her saying, God, I'm putting my trust in you fully. 
God wants us to be like that. He wants to know that we are generous. And lastly, and I close with this, we've got to be godly. In other words, we've got to put God first in our lives. We've got to, be, we've got to decide who's going to be first in everything we do. Matthew 6, 24, it says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. If money's become a God, maybe you need to repent and say, God, I, please forgive me. I want you to be God. I want you to be Lord. I want you to be first in my life. Jesus said you can't serve both God and money. God will test us. He'll test us in our priorities. But it's so that we can communicate back to him that he is first, that he's most important. When we, when we give uh, on a Sunday, when we, when we tithe, this is out of obedience to God. God has given us everything. And he asks us to return to him 10%, a tithe, the first fruits of what we've earned. As we do that, we're saying, God, I commit all of my finances, all of my resource, everything into your hands. Amy and I, from a young age, our parents taught us and, and together as a married couple, we made a decision that we would tithe. We would give God the first fruits of whatever we earn. God has never let us down. We've made some dumb financial decisions. That wasn't God's fault. That was ours. <laughs> but God has never failed to be everything we need, provide everything that we need. And he surprises us at times. Those moments when we're generous and we, we give something away, we needed money for a car. And we, we gave all we had. Now, I'm not saying don't get into debt to give. Only give with what you have. But we gave away all we had in our saving. Weeks later, somebody came up with a keys to a, a car. Probably 10 times the value of what we had saved. God knows your needs. He'll provide for you if you're faithful to him. He'll give you everything that you need and so much more that you'll be able to be a blessing to other people. Now Malachi 3.10 says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. And I'm not here as a pastor trying to drum up more money from all of you. This is one of the most faithful churches I've ever been a part of. A lot of people really understand what it means to walk faithfully with God financially, putting God first in your finances. It's not what it's about. But God's after some hearts today too. God's saying there's some people that, that finance is a real challenge for you. And understandably, because he's not first. He can't bless what we don't give him. So maybe for some, it's a challenge today. I'm going to trust God with, maybe I'm just going to give him a dollar. It's my start. Say, God, I want to give you the first because I want, I want to honor you in, in what I do. He's the one that gives us our wealth. And so let's trust him with that. Yeah, we have an incredible ministry here in the church that every, every week as you give, part of that money goes towards serving people in our community. The, the ministry is called Christians Against Poverty, a mission statement and a name. Christians, we, our desire is to see people come to know Christ as their Savior. But these are Christians who are against poverty. We don't want to see anybody in poverty. We don't want to see anybody missing out on the basic needs in life. A place to stay, food to eat, clothes to wear, education. These are the things that we really value, important things, important things to God as well. So we've got a team. 
Uh, Ricky and Marcel, would you stand for a moment? It's on a, these guys, Ricky and Marcel, they do an incredible job of leading our, our cat ministry. And they're going to be out in the foyer. Um, they've got some information about our cat ministry, Christians Against Poverty. Uh, if you're struggling with your money, uh, need some wisdom, need some advice, uh, maybe you're actually in, in a place where it's out of control and you're really, really in trouble now. Go and talk with these guys. Um, they'll have a conversation. They'll get the, the conversation started and put you in touch with the right people. But we just want to serve people. We want to help people find financial freedom. We don't want to be in, uh, in debt to others. We want to be, uh, be free and financial so that we can actually be a blessing to others. Amen? Amen. Well, as we close this morning, uh, we're going to close with a song in a moment, but uh, we always give an invitation, the most important invitation recognizing that we have a God who loves us and actually giving generosity began with Him. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that He gave. Giving starts with God. He gave His only Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us, for our sins. So all of the sins we've committed, God, we could find forgiveness through Jesus Christ, through the cross. We've sung about Him. We've sung about the cross today. That the grace that is extended to us comes through Jesus. You might be here today saying, I don't, I don't have this relationship with God like, like you talk about. Well, today you can. Today you can start a journey with Him and acknowledge that, that you need God as your Savior. You need Jesus to forgive you for your sins. We're all sinners, myself included. And it's only Jesus' forgiveness that allows us to be right with God again. There is only one way to God, and it's through Jesus. I'm going to pray a prayer. I would love to invite you to pray that prayer with me. We're all going to pray it out loud. And as we do that, I I believe that as our hearts are responding to God, He responds to us. His gift of grace is available to every person that calls out on His name. Anyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. This morning, with every head bowed, I close. I'd love to pray a prayer. We're all going to pray it together. Why don't you pray this prayer out loud, inviting Jesus into your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your great love for me. Thank you that you gave your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. Please forgive me for living life my own way. I choose to follow you all the days of my life. Thank you for your gift of grace. I receive it today. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed, eye closed. I love to just find out who prayed that prayer. We want to connect with you after the service. We've got a team that would love to sit down and uh, get some information from you and get a Bible in your hands. Get some information about what it means to, to follow Jesus with all of your heart. We've got an Alpha course that's running that can answer your questions about your relationship with God. But if that was you, you prayed that prayer today. Will you do something brave right now? Maybe you're coming back to God, you've been away from Him, and you're recommitting your life to Him. Maybe for the very first time today, you are giving your life to Christ, and you prayed that prayer. If that's you today, would you be bold and just slip your hand up right now? Anyone here this morning saying, yes, I prayed that prayer? Maybe for the first time, maybe coming back to God again. Anyone here this morning? 
the church, why don't we stand? We're going to close our service. I just want to pray a blessing over everybody this morning. I really believe that if we can understand God's heart for money, it transforms everything. Our relationships, our, our, our attitude to work, how much money is enough? That's for you to answer. <laughs> but let's be satisfied. Let's be glad. Let's be generous. Amen. Come on. Father, we thank you. Thank you for all that you've given us. We, we feel so blessed. Lord, we feel so rich. Lord, I pray that we would find a, a grateful heart, Lord, for all you've done, for all you've given us. Lord, may we be glad. May we be generous. May we be godly in our response to money. May we honor you and put you first in everything we do. Lord, I thank you, Lord, you have blessed us, and we just want to be a blessing to others. Lord, for those that have got a real heart to be generous, God, I pray as they, as they take that little step of faith and they give the little they have to bless somebody else, Lord, would you surprise them? Would you surprise them, Lord, with more to be a blessing to others? God, I pray you would open up, Lord, the floodgates of heaven and pour out into those hearts, those that want to be generous. Lord, even giving away to those that could never repay them. Lord, may their hearts be transformed as they, they take on that heart of generosity. So we love you. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for all you're doing in our lives. And we bless you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's close with one song.